Hey everybody, it's me, Stu Helm, the Food Fan, here at Food Fan Headquarters with another exciting episode of Asheville Food Fans. It is a podcast that I do throughout the week, and then I string it together for broadcast on WPVM 103.7 FM, the progressive voice of the mountains, here in beautiful Asheville, Western North Carolina. Hey everybody, it's me Stu Helm, the food fan here at Food Fan Headquarters, and I have a exciting review of a restaurant for you. Not just a dish, but a whole restaurant. Don and I went to West Asheville last night, and we went to a brand new place, or I think it's pretty brand new, been around maybe a month or two, and it's called Neng Juniors. That's N-E-N-G. J-R apostrophe S, Nang Juniors. And uh, it is run by Silver Kausler, Chef Silver Kausler. And when we walked in, there were a lot of friendly faces there. Uh, cocktail program by Q, a uh, well-known bartender around town named Q, and uh, a woman named Erin behind the bar. It's nice to see her as well. So familiar faces when we walked in. And first of all, I should tell you, yes, it's over in West Asheville. It's located kind of behind the moth light and uh, or what used to be the moth light. And now it's it, but you go in through the back door. It's like this almost a speakeasy type feel to it. It's very tiny, like teeny tiny. I think there are maybe two, four, six, eight, ten. 10 seats maybe 10 tables seats seating for 10 and then a big bar for maybe another eight to 10 there uh and it wasn't full when we got there we ate kind of early but when it's full it will be kind of packed in there so just keep that in mind and but so a tiny intimate atmosphere great decor like really nice inside or cute like really cute kind of i don't know how to describe it it I don't like to compare one place to another, but it has kind of a Chaipani-esque approach to the decor. Not as not as fancy or not as many doodads, you know, but kind of fun. Anyhow, uh, let me skip ahead to the food because the food was just fantastic. Well, first of all, the drinks were on point because our friend Q was there and Aaron was mixing them. And uh, Don had a Manhattan that was somehow very special. It had like weird things in it that I had never heard of, like ingredients, and Don loved it. And so, and I had a mocktail. One thing I love about our friend Q is that he is very into making delicious mocktails that have a lot of depth and flavor and aren't too sweet and are very enjoyable for someone who doesn't drink like myself. And so he made, he recommended I get the bitter melon mocktail and it was fantastic. So I recommend that very much. And then for food, uh, we started with this fruit plate and bing, a, a, bell rang in my head the minute I started to eat this fruit plate that I'm adding a new category to my best of awards this year, best side of fruit, just so I can nominate this dish as one of the best sides of fruit I've ever had in my life and possibly handed an award uh, as the best side of fruit I've had all year. And I would say that would have to be included the whole rest of my life because this side of fruit was fantastic. It was like big pieces, you know, but they were so ripe. They were so easy to cut. They were like the perfect ripeness. It was called the August fruit plate. I guess the fruit plate's going to be named after the month and the fruits that you can source maybe locally during that month. But there were there were, no, because there was a mango. You can't, I don't think you can ever source mangoes locally in this area yet that things are changing all the time so we'll see if one day we become the mango capital of the world but uh it had mangoes it had peaches and i'm not sure but they kind of looked and tasted like those cool little donut peaches the kind of flat ones they were cut into like quarters or something like that and then there was a big green thing that looked like a green tomato but wasn't it was some delicious sweet piece of fruit uh it was fantastic and then there was, or maybe it was a green tomato of some variety that 
I had never had before. I'm not the smartest food writer you'll ever meet, but I'm learning as I go. And by the time I reach my 100th birthday, I should be pretty well versed in food. But uh, and then the final uh, fruit on the plate were some Asian pears that were just perfect. They were crispy. And then the thing about this fruit plate was it seemed to have been doused in olive oil and then sprinkled with sea salt. And it came with a dipping sauce that was had fish sauce in the dipping sauce. So it was a very, very, very savory dipping sauce. And the combination of all of that stuff together made this a mind-blowingly delicious fruit salad. And I've, I've never enjoyed a fruit salad that much ever. Let me just put it that way. And I like fruit. I'm like most people. I enjoy a good fruit side dish plate. But this thing was just out of this world. Uh, and then after the fruit came some oysters. We ordered a pair of oysters, and each oyster had a little quail egg on it, like a raw quail egg. It may have been cured or something like that, but it seemed raw to me. Uh, and um, then it looked like some caviar on it. Now, here's the thing. I keep saying it looked like it might have been, and that's because by intention, there were no descriptions on the menus, just the names of the foods, and then the server describes them to you. And I, I'm going to guess that's because the setup could change or something. I don't know. Everything is ever changing in a small kitchen. And this, and the server told us that this menu will change over, like, over time, of course. And so you better pounce on the things that are seasonal, such as the August fruit. Um, but uh, the so like. Aaron described all of the dishes to us, but I, you know, I didn't retain all that knowledge encyclopedically. So I'm guessing now at some of the ingredients, but looking at my own pictures and based on my own experience, I think there was some caviar on these oysters. It's the long way of saying that. And I love oysters and these were delicious. So recommend. Uh, next, we got a whole like fire roasted eggplant or a half of a, half of an eggplant. It thing was huge. Uh, and maybe it was a whole eggplant, but it was fire roasted. The kitchen is right there and you can see the kitchen. It's fantastic. And they've got some kitchen implements. I had personally never seen before. Other chefs might be familiar with these, but I had never seen some of the, the tools that silver was cooking with. Uh, but this whole eggplant was all charred and black on the outside. And then it was cut open and it wasn't, scooped out for us we had to scoop out the meat of the eggplant which was really interesting because it's almost creamy and takes on almost a melted mozzarella cheese quality to it if you can believe that not in terms of the texture once it's in your mouth then it's just light and delicate it's not heavy at all like cheese would be but in terms of the way it looks and feels as you're scooping it um but on top of all that was a, I don't know how to describe it, like a beautiful hash is such a crude word to describe this of tomatoes and other ingredients. And it was just exciting is the word I kept using to describe this food. The flavors were, it, the theme of the restaurant is Filipino food. Um, and so these flavors are going to be straight comfort and feel like home to some people. But to me, they were new and exciting. So um, this was great for me to experience these new things. And then uh, after the eggplant, we got two skewers of scallops and peaches. So there were peaches on two dishes. Peaches are in season. Take advantage of that. I can never eat too many ripe peaches. When they're good, they're good. When they're not good, they're hard and they're sour and they're terrible. Um, but these were great and they were on skewers that were made out of some sort of organic leaf material. Like there was no wooden stick. It was like the stem of some giant leaf type of thing that was through the peaches and the scallops. And then they were roasted over the open fire and they were, they were fantastic. Like, man, I wanted to eat them all. I had to be like all restrained and be like, no, that last one, I, I already had two and a half scallops. Don, you go ahead and you eat that half a scallop. Um, so, you know, it was hard to resist the last scallop. And then um, the last thing that we ate was some grape ice cream. So it was house-made ice cream and it was made with muscadine as well as Concord grapes. And it was very grapey in flavor and it had some Concord grapes on top of it. 
And uh, it was very refreshing, creamy, and delicious. And we loved it. And the two of us shared all of that. And we left feeling good and full, but we weren't stuffed to the gills. And that is one of our goals these days is to try a lot of different flavors and not stuff ourselves. Now, we had some FOMO about some of the dishes on the menu. And when a, a family of folks lined up at the bar sort of next to us, we were on a corner, so they were at the front and we were on the side but uh they seem to have gotten every dish on the menu and so we got a look at everything and there was some fried chicken on that menu that came out and it looked fantastic and then they cut it all up into big chunks and it just looked fantastic it was killing me um and there were some pork belly on the menu that looked really good when it came out and so yeah it's called neng junior n-e-n-g J-R apostrophe S, Nang Juniors, and uh, Chef Silver Kausler, all of our favorite people, or some of our favorite people, they are my favorite people work all over this city. Some of them are here at Nang Juniors. Look up the hours, give them a call if you have any uh, questions about when they're going to be open, and you can make reservations through Resi. And I just want to say in advance, this restaurant, this food is bound for not just awards from me or nominations at least best fruit salad i already mentioned meal of the year instant nomination for that best new restaurant of the year instant nomination for that but i feel like nominations are going to start coming from old jb himself pretty soon james beard award going to start paying attention i i haven't felt this excited about a little restaurant just like this since vivian opened up and you all know how great Vivian is. So, Neng Juniors, get on down over to West Asheville. Check it out. Tell them Stu sent you. All right, folks. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Hey, everybody. It's me, Stu Helm, the food fan here at Food Fan Headquarters. And I have a special guest today. And that is one chef. Tom LaFauci, not just a chef, but an awesome dude. Hey, Tom, how are you? Stu, how you doing, man? You having a good day? So far, it's only 11 in the morning, so I haven't really done much. <laughs> but drinking coffee and answering emails, but that's any day I'm up on this side of the dirt, drinking coffee is a good day. That's a good day. And how about you, Tom? I, I heard a rumor you had a day off. Uh, that was yesterday. <laughs> uh, I'm actually at work. <laughs> that was yesterday. But uh, yeah, no, we're at work today. Uh, getting ready for another week down here at uh, Twisted Laurel downtown. So That's right, folks. I forgot to mention Chef Tom LaFauci from Twisted Laurel downtown Asheville. Uh, my restaurant of the year winner for 2020. And one of my all-time favorite restaurants in Asheville. And it had a path to get there. Uh, it been around. How long you been there in downtown Asheville? I know you've been there for three years, is that correct? Yeah, October 1st was my three-year uh, sort of anniversary here. Uh, we've been open in downtown since October of 2014. Okay. So this October coming up will be eight years we've been we've been open in downtown Asheville. That's kind of wild. It seems like you guys kind of just got there. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of funny. Um, and it did take you a long time to sort of fit. Uh, you weren't there. Like when they got you, everything was solid in my opinion. And I'm not just blowing smoke. Uh, they were struggling to find a chef that fit in with Asheville, but also fit in with Twisted Laurel. And they uh, had a long road to get where they are today. But, dude, I love your cooking. So let's talk about it. Um, Thanks, man. Yeah, I love your cooking. I always tell people this, and you've heard me say it a million times, so it's boring for you, uh, that you cook food people like. That is one of my highest pieces of praise I can give to any chef. And it sounds sim so simple. It sounds stupid, but you cook food people like. So let's talk about your regular menu and your new menu. Like you have items that are always there and then you have items that come on the menu seasonally. So I know you just had a big menu change. So why don't you tell us about the, the new menu first? Yeah, so we've got, I mean, like I said, we've been here eight years. There are a couple of dishes that have sort of become sort of staples for what we do. Um, and we have a second location up in Weaverville. Um, so we have folks who come from Weaverville and they expect to see, you know, A, B, and C. And we tip, we carry those dishes just to have that kind of continuity between our two locations. 
Um, but, you know, we, we cater to a very different crowd uh, down here. Um, so to be able to really key into what we do, you know, our, our food concept and our food, sort of the, the way we approach food at Twisted World downtown is, is Mediterranean-inspired comfort food. So to be able to have that idea of, you know, I, I'm, I'm 48 years old. I've been doing this for a long time, and I, I'm not looking to reinvent the wheel. I want to make food that is very sort of recognizable to people. You know, I go into a restaurant and I don't know what, I, I can't read what's on the menu or people are asking me what's this and what's this. Um, I'm just, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, to wow anybody with what we do. I want people, I want guests to walk in. I want them to see, look at the menu and recognize every single letter on there, you <laughs> know, and, and, and feel comfortable with what, what they're, they're ordering. You know, if they, if they order a dish, they, they know what to expect. Um, so well, that's we, part of what we, I tell people about you, Tom. When I we, I go into Twisted Laurel two up to three times a week with food tours. Uh, every chance I can get, I get get in there with a food tour because it's a guaranteed hit with the tour takers. And um, and I always tell them like, you don't got to learn new vocabulary words with Tom's food. <laughs> uh, he doesn't have to bust out the culinary encyclopedia of ingredients to explain what's on your plate. Uh, and there's dishes on your menu that I recognize from being a kid in like the 1970s and my parents and grandparents on a fancy night, I'll go into a steakhouse or such, and there'd be some steak Diane on the menu. And I have not seen steak Diane on a menu and I don't know how long, like decades, maybe until you introduced it to the menu at Twisted. And that's just one example um, if you don't mind, let's talk about specific dishes. I love to get into the specifics. What what you got on the menu right now, Tommy? You know, we just rolled out a brand new menu two weeks ago. Um, and when we roll out a brand new menu, it's typically a, a full, at least for our dinner menu, it's the majority of our dinner menu. And then we, we, we add some items onto our lunch menu that bring some on, take some off, always try to stay seasonal. Um, our dinner menu, like I said, we typically change over 80 to 85% of the menu every three months. Um, just trying to stay seasonal, staying mm -hmm. with what's available, staying with what's, what, what's good right now. Um, you know, our, our pasta program is something that's really, that, that I'm really proud of. Uh, you know, we have a, as much from scratch pasta program as possible to the point where I have one gentleman on my, on my, my team back there, his entire job is just to make fresh pasta all day long. That's um, great. We, he, you know, we, we, you know, he make, we make the dough, we roll it out. We, he hand rolls every he cuts every noodle and hand rolls every ravioli that we serve. Um, and, and, and you can tell, I mean, there's an obvious difference between fresh made pasta and dried pasta, you know, not that not dried pasta is bad. I mean, I think dried pasta gets a bad rap sometimes because it's become such a commodity to, to people. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, you know, really good dried pasta is just as good as fresh pasta. I'm getting off on a little bit of a tangent. Yeah. Bold statement but, there, Tom. Well, it is. I mean, I mean, if, if you, I mean, you can make dried pasta just as good or just as good as, as fresh pasta. They're, they're two, it's not that one's better or worse. It's just they're two different things. They're two and different animals. Quality in dry pasta is, you know, there's top quality and there's middle quality and lower quality. So the top the quality board. stuff is excellent. But yeah, you started introducing your house-made pastas. Now you're, you're Italian, uh, Italian-American, and you're from Jersey originally. Is that correct, Tom? Yes, sir. Central New Jersey. And you grew up eating house-made, like, like in your family. On your menu, you had, I don't know if you still have, your, my grandfather's meatball and, and <laughs> other of your family recipes, which is one of the unique things you brought to the Twisted Laurel downtown um, is it it has you. I mean, like it has you and your background and your family recipes available. for. Yeah. People. I mean, my grandfather was a, a my grandfather was in Korea. He was on a a, a ship in Korea uh, in the Navy. Uh, he cooked for, you know, 200, 250 guys, breakfast, lunch and dinner, seven days a week. Um, um, and he's you know, he was an old school guy. Um, and he, you know, he, we would go over for dinner and, you know, it'd be five or six or seven of us and he would cook for 20. That's just how grandfather did it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of super, I mean, it's a lot of super old school stuff, you know, it's, you know, again, it's, it's, it's things that people feel comfortable in ordering. It's, it's having guests come in and not worrying about, you know, making a mistake because they ordered something incorrectly. If they know they're getting a meatball or they know they're getting 
you know, pasta bolognese or steak Diane. It's something that they've known forever. And we just try to do those things at a very, very consistent and a very high level. Um, yeah. these, you know, and I mean, that's what it really comes down to. I mean, I'm, I'm not in the business of trying to reinvent or, or kind of, you know, come up with something brand new. I mean, pretty much everything that's going to be created has been created somewhere by somebody already. Um, and let's talk about, a, oh, I'm sorry to interrupt. I just wanted no, to talk about talk. consistency because that yeah. is one of the things that you do so well at Twisted Laurel is every dish is going to be consistent from table to table, but across the board, the menu has a consistency of quality um, that I think is super important in restaurants. I think it's, I think it's actually the key. If you can't be consistent, you're going to fail. And the more exactly consistent right. you are, the more, more success you're going to have. And so that's one thing I really enjoy about your food. It is consistently excellent. And, um, and I, I believe personally that comes somewhat from your background prior to working at Twisted Laurel. Do you mind talking about where you came from in the culinary world? Uh, no, not at all. I mean, I've been, I mean, what's it, 2022 now? So this is my 29th year in the business. Um, probably half of my experience, half of the years I've been in the restaurant business has been in sort of a corporate, has been in corporate settings. Uh, mm -hmm. I was with Bonefish Grill for seven years. Um, I was with a, a fast casual concept out of Charlotte for, in one capacity or another for, yeah, seven years. Um, and then, you know, the, you know, I was about 16 of my years in the restaurant business. I've been in a corporate setting. Corporate restaurants get a bad rap, man, because the food is typically, it, 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 it's very kind of low, lowest common denominator and it kind of plays to everybody. Um, and when you're trying to source food for a thousand restaurants in 48 states, it becomes challenging to have, to have, you know, top end ingredients. It just does mm -hmm. um, because you're buying millions of pounds of chicken a week and, <laughs> you know, yeah, the numbers yeah. start to get the numbers start to get staggering, and the and the just the basic logistics of it become a challenge. Um, but where I think corporate restaurants really shine is consistency. You can go into any restaurant, any any any, and, and pick you know insert you know insert restaurant here, um, mm -hmm. and you order a dish and it's going to be the same in. You know, in Oregon, is, is it going to be in Illinois? It's going to be in North Carolina. It's going to be in Massachusetts. It, it's it's just, going to be in Paris, France. This is why, yeah, that's this a, is why I mean, that's people a, from America go to McDonald's when they visit Paris. Yeah. They're like, it's consistent. It's going to taste exactly yeah. like. Yeah. You know what you're going to get. And right. you know how it's going to be. Um, and you know how it's going to be presented, how it's going to look, how it's going to taste. And that's, yes. you know, and, and I, I think, you know, corporate restaurants really kind of have a place. Um I agree. It's it, it, it's not really about the food. It, it's more about the, the the experience and the consistency. Yes. The majority of what I do here, just from and not so much from a culinary standpoint, the the, the food, the food, the food. It, it's from a, a a business standpoint. I think is where co corporate restaurants really can help people shine and really help people learn because mm -hmm. you know the, running running Twisted Laurel downtown and running a, a Chili's in Peoria is it's the same concept and if you can learn it and not have to worry about the food so much you can become a better manager and a better leader mm -hmm. than if you just step into where on top of it you have to do you have to come up with all the food the i agree food, Tom. i agree i i i have observed that some of the best chefs in this town including yourself have that corporate background and what they bring is that level of consistency um an understanding of systems and these systems yeah. have been tried and true. Like corporate doesn't have any janky systems, right? Like they things work because they've been doing it one way for a long time. And, and, if, and if their systems were janky, they wouldn't have a thousand restaurants. Exactly. And so I find that when uh, chefs with that background come into the independent restaurant world, it's kind of like a marriage of the best of both worlds. Um, yeah. Because you've got that background and now you're kind of like King Kong uncaged with freedom to do the menu how you like and uh, freedom to source, uh, you know, since you don't have to get a million pounds of chicken, you can source it from a, perhaps a local <laughs> farm or get a higher quality chicken. Um, and so I just really appreciate that about you. And I wanted to just bring that up for the folks who are listening that I feel like part of the success that you're finding at Twisted Laurel now, and let's just say it, you guys are packed every time I go in there lately. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of that success actually comes from your corporate background. 
Uh, and there's a, a lot of other reasons for it. Your food, for one, the management for another, Vince. We all love Vince. And uh, the way that you handle your staff also. Um, your kitchen staff is always excellent, and you're just good at training. And now I feel like I'm just, like, blowing smoke up your, you know what, Tom. Well, I mean, that, well, thank you. You're, you're very kind. Um, but I mean every word. Well, no, that, I, I appreciate that, man. Um, yeah, I mean, just be able to, it, it, it's having, it's being calm, it's being steady, it's keeping, keeping the ship and keeping, the, keeping it going in the same direction. And I'll tell you what, man, the last two years, <laughs> if, you don't, if you don't believe in systems and you don't believe, and you believe by riding, if you believe by riding by the seat of your pants, you're, you would have never survived the last two years. No, um, it is the, the, the most challenging and the most difficult experience I've had in my, you know, almost 30 years in the restaurant business is having to deal with, you know, a worldwide pandemic. Right. It's just being, you know, understanding, you know, that much, you know, the, the number one thing I was always taught by my mentors was, you know, we have to provide a safe and secure work environment for our employees. Our staff has, we have to provide a safe and secure environment. Mm-hmm. You know, what, you know, before, you know, pre-COVID, what does that mean? You know, making sure equipment is fixed, making sure the, the locks work, making sure, you know, the, the place is clean and everything mm-hmm. is safe and secure and, you know, buying the right food and doing all that stuff. All that is still in place. We're doing still, all still doing that. But now you've got, you know, you, you've got an enemy that you can't really see. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? So, I mean, we, I mean, we've gone, I mean, at, twist, at least with, with our, our organization, I mean, we are still, I mean, we're two, two years and change into COVID now. We mm-hmm. still test daily. We, That's great. we take it upon ourselves to test every single staff member who walks in who's working a shift every single day. Um, That's great. You know, and we're, you know, I, I mean, there was a point we were testing, if you were working a double shift or you were working a, a you know, a 10 hour shift where we were testing twice a day. Um, and when, it, when, when, when COVID was really spiking. Um, and Tom, I think but, that's, I gave you this award for restaurant of the year in 2020. And that's no coincidence that it fell on that year. Um, I mean, I give out the award every year to a different restaurant, but in 2020, I had to look at how did people deal with this dang pandemic, right? Like not just was the food good. Did they have a great year? Did they win other awards? Like there's a lot of factors that go into me picking restaurant of the year. And, uh, and you pretty much got to tick all those boxes to even be considered. And then in 2020, there was like a whole nother ball of wax, right. For me to yeah. consider was how did the restaurants handle the pandemic? Were they embroiled in drama due to unfair labor practices during the time? Because a lot of drama bubbled up on Facebook. Oh yeah. Uh, and you guys were just like above the fray the whole time. And that I feel like, like that's part of why I gave you the award was how you handled the pandemic and you and Vince together, I think really held, uh, held things together there. Um, so I, I appreciate you guys for toughing it out during the toughest time and it ain't over. Um, the fat lady hasn't started to sing yet. (laughs) Um, yeah. And so, um, Tom, we're running out of time, but I just wanted to congratulate you on your journey from, uh, with Twisted Laurel, because they did, you've been there three years. They've been around for eight years. It took them five years to find their feet in Asheville because they basically brought that Weaverville menu with them and it wasn't flying on its own. It needed some augmentation and they didn't know how to do that with different chefs and they found you and it's been like perfect ever since. And uh, I want to quickly recommend. I, would, I, people- I, would, I wouldn't say perfect, brother, but I, I think I think we we do things that are very consistent and a high level. So, well, thank you. yeah. And uh, and Tom, just really quickly, do you have any trout on the menu right now? <laughs> we always have trout in some form on our menu. So yeah, we, you know, for for pretty much the first two years and. 11 months I was here, we were doing a, some sort of a, a pecan crusted trout uh, with a rotating topping on it. And it, we sold the, the bejesus out of it. We've actually right. gone away from that trout. We actually do a smoked trout cake now. Okay. Uh, so we take, the, we take the trout, we, we smoke it over hickory and we make, you know, I, I love, people love crab cakes. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just not going to buy crab meat that's $52 a pound right now. Right. Um, so to be able to give them, I guess, the same experience, uh, uh, we do a smoked trout cake right now. And it's, oddly enough, it's our number one seller. Um, really? So, okay. That is yeah, kind we, of we, odd. 
we we sell we sell i mean we we still go through probably 40 to 50 pounds of trout a week um just you know smoking it and picking it and turning it into trout cake so yeah our new menu is pretty cool man i'm really happy with this is the direction i've always wanted the menu to go this is where i've always wanted it to be you know obviously our fresh pasta program is something that we've really we've really built but to be able to transfer kind of take it in the direction you know we're doing we've got a, a smoked beef short rib on the menu that is killer i've had um, it our, our trout cake is killer gotta try um, it you know we do a uh, we do a, a cast iron seared jumbo shrimp with a an andouille honey lemon sauce and salsa verde which is kill i mean you know, i keep saying killer but it's it's it's, it's killer good um you yeah know, we're doing arancini we're doing fresh baked focaccia in house i mean our food has really kind of gotten to a point where I'm super, super happy with the direction we're going. And now it's, you know, I got to start thinking about the fall menu here in a couple of months. That's right. You know, and just keep that rolling. So. All right. Yeah, well, no, it's, we, we've got to, we, you know, come on down and see us, man. It's, 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 uh, yeah. It's, People get on into Twisted Laurel. It's located right next to Pack Square and Pack Park. Giant patio, giant dining room, full bar, uh, catering upstairs and offsite. Yeah. And uh, full bar upstairs as well. Uh, the staff is awesome. A lot of people I recognize from other restaurants around end up working at Twisted Laurel. And the food is uh, accessible, which in this case is like the highest praise, right? Like sometimes accessible is kind of a mediocre um, praise, right? Like, oh, it was accessible. Yeah. But no, this I mean that as high praise. Um, and the food is excellent for lunch. Going to straight up recommend Tommy's smash burger best in downtown. Oops. Did I just say that out loud? Um, I mean, I mean, yeah, you did. <laughs> the other, the other burgers are going to start writing me hateful emails. Um, and Tommy's, uh, fried chicken sandwich is fantastic for lunch as well. And then for dinner, yeah. get on in whatever steak cut he's got on the menu is going to be excellent. The new menu items, the short rib, the, try the new trout cakes. I, I haven't tried those yet, so I'll try them. And Tom, uh, you're open, uh, Tuesday through Saturday these days, correct? Yeah, we're closed Sunday, Monday. Uh, we open at 11 o'clock Tuesday through Saturday. We close at 9, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and 10 o'clock on Friday and Saturday. Right on, right on. Well, Tom, I will see you tomorrow on a food tour. Excellent. And I want to thank you so much for coming on the radio show, and we'll have you on again. Thanks, man. I appreciate you. Talk to you soon. All right, Tom. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Hey everybody, it's me Stu Helm, the food fan here at Food Fan Headquarters, and I've got another review of a restaurant for you. And my reviews, they come in sometimes different categories, and there's the old like uh, Asheville Food Tours Lunch Junket with Patty Riles category, you're all familiar with that, Patty and I go out, we usually splitting a burger and a fried chicken sandwich and trying one of each at a new place, but we venture out a little bit. And then another category is the one that I'm doing today, which is a Asheville multicultural tasting with Luis Carlos Serapio, AKA Lucho, my friend and the owner of multiculturalashville.com. Or is it AshevilleMulticultural.com? Gosh, I can never keep that straight. And Luis Carlos is not here to correct me today because he has technical issues that have gotten in the way of us recording. But I'm covering the tasting that we did all by myself here. He took me out to a new place or a relatively new place. It's been around less than a year as I record this. So uh, I'm going to call it new. Anything that's been around about a year or less, sometimes a little bit more, can qualify for my new restaurant of the year award. And just straight out of the gate, I'm going to say that this place, La Rumba, is a nominee for my restaurant, new restaurant of the year award for 2022. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's talk about the restaurant. So where's it located? It's got a weird location. Luis Carlos came and picked me up and we got in his car and we drove out Tunnel Road and we got to where uh, the Dick's Sporting Goods is. Y'all know where that is? And if you live around here, you know where that is. If you don't, Google it up. And uh, there's a, you remember where Bonefish Grill used to be? That's right. I said used to be. I hope I didn't break too many hearts just now. Bonefish Grill didn't make it through the pandemic. It doesn't look like, and oddly enough, it seems like the chain restaurants had a harder time 
making it through the pandemic than the independent restaurants. I don't know if that's an actual statistic. It just seems that way. Anecdotally, anecdotic, I'm sorry, I tried a big word and I may have failed just from based on my observations. It seems like the chains had a struggle. Anyhow, Bonefish Grill closed down and that and inside is a place called La Rumba. The chef is named Mike Martin. And I actually know Chef Mike from another restaurant, and it was great to see him again. And the owner is a gentleman named Reynaldo Macario. And I actually know Reynaldo as well. One time, uh, quite a little while ago, maybe about a, a little over a year ago, Macario, I'm sorry, I'm going to make that mistake because I have a friend also named Macario. So Reynaldo came and picked me up uh, here at my house, and we drove out to Papusaria Patty, where Patty test drove 10 different flavor styles of hot dogs with me. And Reynaldo was the interpreter because Patty speaks Spanish. I speak English. She's better at English than I am at Spanish, but it's nearly impossible for me and Patty to have an in-depth conversation due to just the language barrier. Now, oddly enough, Patty and I have developed a very close bond and respect for each other, despite the language barrier. So, you know, it's a beautiful world. Um, and so, but Reynaldo was there to interpret that time. I ate, I tried 10 different hot dogs. I brought a bunch of hot dogs home, ate them for days. It was the best. Go eat at Papusaria Patty and look for her new food truck. But in the meantime, here we are, me and Lucho at the uh, at La Rumba, which, from what I understand, means the party. So, woo! Um, very big space, uh, very nice inside, like really comfortable, very nice. Obviously, good for big parties. And I heard that there are groups, uh, a group that meets there, like for brunch, almost once a week, and brings like thirty six people, and they love it. And when I made my post on Facebook a ton of people from this group, which is run by a woman who called uh, a nice woman that you probably all know. If you follow Facebook at all and calls herself the wax Lorette and she's awesome. So she has a little, a big group that meets there once a week and they do charitable stuff and la di da. I'm getting a little off on a tangent, but you can look all that up. It's a really fun and curious thing. But um, so uh, Reynaldo greets us at the door. We sit down and just a parade of food starts coming out the door. It's like, uh, just full disclosure, uh, Luis ha it has clients. Like, I don't have clients. I just do all my food reviews and stuff for free. And um, just, just because it helps me to have a career as a food writer and, uh, and a food tour guide. And so, but Luis has clients and La Rumba is one of his clients. So he had arranged for this tasting for me for promotional reasons. That's why people do that with me is because, you know, I made a post and it reached thousands and thousands of people on Facebook. And I, I'm sure that a lot of new customers came in that week. And so I, I really hope that's the case. And I'm pretty sure that it will be. So anyways, Luis Carlos had arranged this and we're there. Parade comes out. First of all, they start you with street corn. That's like, then they told me, uh, Reynaldo told us that that's, that's like their bread service. Like that comes free to the table with every, every time you sit down, some street corn comes out and it was great, you know, super authentic Mexican street corn on the cob, not, not scraped off the cob. Like you sometimes get it. And, uh, and then there, we got some chili relenos and uh, they were the best chili relenos I think I've ever had. They were the fanciest chili relenos I've ever had and the prettiest chili relenos I have ever had. And, you know, I used to get sub in Chicago that were just like in a, you know, a styrofoam box. <laughs> they were fantastic. Right. So these were on a plate and they were like a lot fancier looking than those in Chicago. And they, these were also fantastic. So if you're a fan of that dish, I recommend this version very, very much. And then we we had just like a parade of the usual stuff, tostadas, empanadas, tacos, uh, like the, oh, and like a nice, the, probably the fanciest dish we had was a nice piece of fish up on top of some rice, 
some cilantro rice. And speaking of the rice, all of the rice is white rice. It's not quote unquote Mexican rice. And Reynaldo told me that that's actually more authentic to Mexico. So, you know, sometimes you learn stuff about other cultures that you thought you knew because you learned it wrong. Or maybe there's a bigger story there that I'm unaware of, but it was interesting. All the rice was white rice and it was great. You know, it was very excellent, nice white rice, which I love. And, and so we had all the usual, we had all the proteins, fish, chicken, pork, beef, different versions of it. My favorite was the chicken taco, which was done in a particular style that's from a particular area of Mexico. And Lu Luis Carlos kept reiterating over and over again how authentic all the food really was because that's like Reynaldo's big goal with this food is to make it the most authentic. And Mike Martin, Chef Mike, as far as I know, he does not have a, a lat like he doesn't have a Latin background himself. As far as I know, could be wrong about that. But um, but Chef or Reynaldo knew, knew him from some previous experience. And uh, speaking of, Reynaldo has a huge network. He's worked in the food industry for decades and he has a big network. And so he's fully staffed. He was very proud to say, and he should be, that he's fully staffed. And they are open seven days a week from 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. And the, the address, if you need to look it up, is 105 Mills or River Hills Road. Uh, the road is just like the lead into the parking lot of the big mall where there's Dick's Sporting Goods and you keep going and there's Michael's Crafts and I don't know, is Target still up there or I don't know. It's it's over there. You know where I'm talking about, Asheville. So, yeah, uh, we had everything from the corn to Tres Leche cake at the end. And the Tres Leche was real good. I am going to say best Tres Leche cake in town still is from uh, – Oh, crap, now I'm spacing out on the name. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, let's skip that. I'll come back to that another time and we'll talk Tres Leche. But this was, uh, this was real good, too. It was real good, too. Let me just say that. Where am I thinking of that cafe? What is it called again? Arabella's? No, now I've got that in my mind. Uh, yeah, y'all know what I'm talking about out there where Ziggy's Deli used to be. I talk about it all the time. It's my one of my favorite places, my mom's favorite place. Can't believe I'm not remembering the name. Holy crap, y'all. I shouldn't have even tried. That's what you get when you try. You fall on your face. Anywho, seven days a week, nine, 10, 10 a.m., 9 p.m., breakfast, or uh, yeah, breakfast, lunch, dinner. You get on into La Rumba over there where the Bonefish Grill used to be. You tell them Stu and Lucho sent you. And uh, just order just about anything on the menu. I'm telling you what, the thread from the people who already eat there on a regular basis, making nice comments, positive comments, recommending dishes, reinforcing each other's recommendations. The thread was very satisfying to read. So uh, trust the public if you don't trust me. But I think on this one, you can trust me too. All right, folks, thanks for listening. And I will talk to you again real soon. Bye. Hey everybody, it's me, Stu Helm, the Food Fan here at Food Fan Headquarters, and I just wanted to talk about Chow Chow with you a uh, little bit here. And Chow Chow has been going on all summer. It, it's it took a little break in July, came back in August, and it continues into September. And I just went to a Chow Chow event, a brunch themed around corn, or as I like to call it, corn! I like to say it a little bit loud. Um, but yeah, the whole theme was corn. It was delicious. Everything tasted great. There was alcohol. There was tons of food. It was hotter than hell out there, man. But we toughed it out. And uh, it was great to see a lot of people. That's that's one of the best things about Chow Chow is to see all the other eaters, food fans, and food makers, and the cocktail makers and stuff. Uh, I'm friends with a lot of them. I'm acquaintances with most of them. 
and I enjoy the company of just about all of them. And uh, it was great to see some old friends. I saw Chef Dano Holcomb from Root Down Food Truck. I hadn't seen him in a long time. And I'll tell you what, I didn't care that it was 1,000 degrees and he was covered in grease and sweat and I was covered in sweat. I hugged that MFR when I saw him and I held him tight and he did the same. And it was great. It was great to see old friends and I saw more than one. And uh, I met a new chef that I had never met before. So I just want to give a shout out to Chef Ty Whitaker from Buttermilk Boutique. And you can look that up and look at her facebook page but she made two of my favorite things that i ate and one of them was the dessert and y'all know how much i love dessert and it, it was i i stepped up and stepped away to use the restroom and when i came back to the table the dessert was on the table right there and it looked for all the world like a piece of raw corn on the cob with a blob of ice cream next to it and some caramel or whatnot sauce and i was like huh and I talk sometimes about how the chefs around here are so creative, shall we say, that I sometimes that I don't question what they do, right? Like, tell you what, one time I was at Modesto and some dolmas came out. It looked like they had dolmas being stuffed grape leaves. It looked like they had French's mustard on them, I swear to God. And I was like, all right, I guess it's some wonderful combination I never thought of. It was not French's. It was some fancy sauce made with some turmeric or whatever that made it turn bright yellow but anyways i was willing to believe that they had discovered some secret combination of french's mustard and grape leaves and you know that's because i'm i have like stockholm syndrome or whatever you want to call it or living in Asheville, north carolina where they serve you the weirdest stuff and then it's delicious any hoodles i show up there's what looks like a raw chunk of corn on the cob on the plate I'm willing to believe it. I'm like, all right, must be really sweet. Go great with ice cream. Here we go. Raw corn for dessert. It was not raw corn. It was a piece of cake that looked like a piece of corn cob. Like, looked just like it. And But it had like a very thin shell around the outside of nice white chocolate. And yes, I like white chocolate. Hold your tongue. And um, it was, it just like was kind of brittle. It kind of, you put your fork against it and it would crack. And under that was some corn pudding style cake, I guess, or cornbread pudding. I'm not sure what y'all, but it was del delicious. And there was ice cream and caramel sauce, as I mentioned as well. So really took me by surprise. I liked it that I was not, there when they told us what it was and i just i was like all right it's a piece of raw corn let's have at it and then i put my fork into it and i was like that's not raw corn what the heck is that and then i realized quickly that it was delicious cake so yes thank you chef ty whitaker from buttermilk boutique but let's talk real quickly i'm going to be a speaker at an event coming up for chow chow on september 8th from 6 to 9 p.m a chow chow event called food stories is happening and i am one of the storytellers and i'm not even sure what story i'm going to tell they have paired me up with chef patty sains who i just mentioned recently that i love so much and i think i'll tell the story of these hot dogs that she made for me i'm not sure uh i don't i'm not i'm i'm still thinking about what story i'm going to tell but this is a five course meal and has some great chefs involved including chef patty sains Chef Christian Albrecht from Braised and Confit. Now, Christian is not just a great chef, but he's a sweet person. And he has one of the, he has a voice that touches off my uh, ASMR. That's, that's just a little side note about me and some people's voices. Uh, so I love him. Like I go to one of his dinners and he starts describing a dish and I go into the zone, man. And then uh, Chef Eric Morris will be there from Cultura, of course, one of my favorite chefs and fellow Tolkien nerd. And uh, Chef Michelle Bailey from the Smoky Park Supper Club, one of the best chefs ever and one of the nicest people ever. Oh my God, she's so nice. And then for the speakers, we have 
Um, well, you know who's listed is, is Gene Edison. And I'm not sure if Gene is a chef that's cooking or a speaker that's speaking, or perhaps he's both. But Gene Edison will be there. Um, and Roy Harris, who I know from hanging out at Penny Cup Coffee. Uh, he's often there and he's a very nice man. And he's uh, he's going to be one of the speakers. And then some people that I don't know very well or at all, named, one named Anu, uh, Annette Sanuk Clapsaddle. Got to love that name. And then somebody named Panko Bermejo. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that name correctly. I hope I am. Maybe it's Pancho, Pancho Bermejo. And uh, a person named, a woman named Allison Scott. And I think that Allison Scott's running for city council or is on city council. I'm not sure. I, I think I'm pretty sure I voted for Allison Scott in the primary, I believe. Um, and then uh, also there will be Jonathan Ammons, the editor of Dirty Spoon and a great food writer, local food writer. And then Kala Brooks from The Thirsty Monk will be there. And I'm sure that Kala will be sort of in charge of cocktails and such. Uh, very nice person. So that is the store, Food Stories event on September 8th from 6 to 9, part of Chow Chow. Look it up on Google, Chow Chow Asheville. We'll get you to the website. You can buy tickets. It's a ticketed event. I'm not sure if there are tickets left. There are other events uh, coming up in September, and I think maybe a couple in the end of October, uh, or I'm sorry, August. Um, so get get on the web and look yourself. All right, folks. Well, uh, thanks for listening. And thank you, WPVM 103.7, the progressive voice of the mountains, 103.7 FM, the progressive voice of the mountains here in Asheville, North Carolina. And please follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Substack, and YouTube at Stu Helm Food Fan. And uh, the my theme song, by the way, is called Cheese Wagon by a ancient, decrepit, punk rock band called the Dorita sisters. And I one time drew an album cover for these guys. So they're friends of mine. I love them. And they let me use their song cheese wagon as my theme song. All right, everybody eat something delicious and let me know about it. Bye. This episode of the Food Fans Radio Show was underwritten in part by Asheville Food Tours. Did you know that there are over 200 places to eat and drink in downtown Asheville alone? It can be overwhelming. Whether you're a visitor or a local, there's no better way to experience downtown Asheville than taking a food tour with Asheville Food Tours. Details, pricing, and an easy-to-use calendar can be found at AshevilleFoodTours.com. That's AshevilleFoodTours.com.